The following program is for informational purposes only. Do not make any investment without speaking to a licensed financial advisor. It's time for Americans to grow up and become financially responsible. Let's talk about something important. If you're in it for the money, that's not a bad thing. Do you realize how much money he just saved us? This is The Financial Physician with Lou Scatigna. The Financial Physician. It's the fastest hour in Money Talk Radio. It's also my pleasure to see to it that decent, hardworking people in this community aren't robbed blind by a pack of money-mad pirates. This is financial advice you can take to the bank. He's your money man. Show me the money. Your source for straightforward, no-nonsense financial advice. Bring me your money questions because I'm here to help. And now, here he is, the financial physician, America's money doctor, Lou Scatigna. Hello, my friends. How are you today? And welcome to today's edition of the Financial Physician Podcast for Sunday, January 14th, 2024. Can you believe it's already mid-January? It was just Christmas just a few days ago, wasn't it? Just New Year's. Uh, It's just amazing how quickly time flies. It really does. Um, Just when uh, you finally take down your Christmas decorations, uh, then it's time to put up your Martin Luther King decorations. Um, We have ours up already. You know, soon as the day after we take down our Christmas decorations, we put up uh, the MLK uh, decorations. I know someone's going to label me a racist. Uh, it's it's just a joke. It's just funny because there is no decorations for Martin Luther King Day. Uh, but uh, but I, I say that every year. I know I get a kick out of it some, for some reason. But that doesn't make me racist. I'm not racist. I'm just a comedian. So hopefully you enjoyed last week's uh, 2024 forecast edition of The Financial Physician. It was, uh, I can't believe how many times it was downloaded. Uh, so we had a record amount of downloads of the program. Uh, it usually is our most um, look forward to program each and every year. Uh, and many of you shared it with other people, and that's the reason why we had such uh, above average downloads of the program. So if you're new to the program and that was the first time you listened to us, uh, welcome. On The Financial Physician, we talk money, markets, politics, and basically anything I want to talk about. Now, when I first did the show, uh, got 25 years ago, it was just purely personal finance, and hence the title of the financial physician. But over the years, I realized that uh, what happens in Washington, what happens in politics, what happens around the world affects our finances in so many different ways. They go together. Uh, you know, what happens in Washington affects your pocketbook. It could be taxes, it could be Medicare, it could be Social Security, it could be the policies that create inflation, uh, deflation, um, So there's all kinds of things that affect our wealth uh, that come out of politics. And as we all know, uh, the political situation here in the United States is as divisive, uh, as dangerous uh, as it has been since the Civil War. I should say Civil War I, because I think Civil War II is coming. That's how divisive we are right now. You know, you just watch Congress. You watch one of these hearings. I was watching the the Biden hearing on Congress. finding him in contempt of Congress, which he should be. I mean, he got his, you know, he gets a subpoena, he doesn't go. That's a contempt of Congress. Ask Steve Bannon about that if you ignore uh, uh, a subpoena to testify in front of Congress. 
But every single Democrat on the committee is saying this is a charade, there's nothing here, blah, 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 blah. If it's a Republican, oh, it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, you know, he should be arrested and put in jail. But that's only for Republicans who defy Congress, not not uh, not Democrats, and certainly not a Biden. And we'll we'll get into that later in the program. We try to save this current event stuff and politics stuff and election stuff for the second hour of the program. But we're going to dive deep into that, and you can see how divided we are. I mean, it, it's just all the Democrats are on one side. All the Republicans are on the other side. There's red, there's blue, there's no purple. And uh, on almost every, every topic or every every policy, it's 100% on one side, 100% on the other side, no matter how much it makes sense. Take immigration, for instance. I mean, most Americans think that what's going on in our border is just terrible, right? But every Democrat in Congress will back Biden and his policies will not want one of them will vote to impeach my orcas, the Department of Homeland uh, Security, who is doing just the opposite of what his job title is. Um, so but every Democrat will back him because Biden backs him and he's part of the Biden administration. Now, if he was part of Trump's administration, they'd want him impeached. Do you see how it works? It's not what's right for the country. It's just right. what's right for your own party. And whether it is um, you know, trying to take Trump off the ballot in all these Democrat states, I mean, it's just insane. And it's sad that our country has come down to this. And uh, we're a powder keg right now. And as I said in last week's program, you know, we have an election coming up that's going to be the election from hell. And uh, leading up to the election, it's going to be hell. Post-election, it's even going to be 10 times worse. And uh, I'm I'm not looking forward to uh, the rest of this year, as you know from last week's program. And if you missed last week's program, you got to go back and listen to it. Uh, so we're we're in a bad place right now in America, and it's going to get a lot worse before and if it gets better. Later in the program, we're going to talk about what's an astonishing story: uh, how the defense secretary uh, was in a hospital in intensive care for a week. And the president and the White House didn't know about it. I mean, th- th- this is just beyond bad. And we'll, we'll touch on that. Later on in the program, we're going to talk about why is January divorce month? January is known as divorce month among, amongst lawyers and financial advisors like myself. We're the ones who deal with it. We know. Another thing that we're seeing is um, gray divorces is a growing area of divorces now. When I say gray, you know, older people, seniors are getting divorced more than ever before. We're going to dive into that. Um, Ways that you can protect older adults from financial abuse. It's a growing problem. Every year it gets worse and worse. Scams are everywhere. And obviously older people are prime targets. We're going to talk about how to protect yourself or how to protect a loved one that you think may be at risk of this. I'm also going to talk about some of the key factors to consider when you're shopping for long-term care insurance. Well, let's start off today's program talking about a very important birthday. You know, we have a lot of important birthdays over our lives, but I think the most important one most of us would say is 65. Why is this such a key age? Well, it's because it's the age that we get Medicare. It's the age that most people consider to be retirement age. Now, 
it used to be that Social Security full retirement age was 65. Now, if you're born in 1960, like myself, or later, uh, it's 67. But 65 has always been the year that most people enter what's considered to be senior citizenship. Now, this year, 2024, 4 million baby boomers are going to turn 65, the largest number in U.S. history. And by the summer, 12,000 people born in 1959 are projected to reach this milestone every day. A phenomenon known as peak 65. So as I just said, you know, you know that uh, 65 is the first time you become eligible for Medicare. But it's a great time to consider other changes that are coming down the pike to your life. Do you know that America's older population increased 1,000% between 1920 and 2020, just in 100 years? Right now, one in six people are 65 or older. And the U.S. Census Bureau is calling this the gray tsunami. And we have more and more people now leaving the workforce. We'll talk about why that's an important thing. Many more people now require caregiving. Uh, the aging population and so many people now retiring is going to affect everything from the ability to maintain the Social Security trust fund, how it's going to affect markets, taxes, health care resources. Uh, it's also going to require more funding for emergency services, senior centers, nursing homes. The country's already uh, experiencing shortages in uh, nursing home staffing, and home caregivers. That's only going to worsen in the years to come. So, and struggling seniors, and there's going to be more and more of them. I've talked about it on the show many times, how we're going to see poverty of the elderly population uh, just skyrocket in the year, years ahead. Why? Because most uh, people retiring now don't have a pension. They're going to live on Social Security. They haven't saved a lot. They're retiring with mortgages, car loans, student loan debt, credit card debt. It's a pretty precarious situation uh, for seniors in this country that haven't planned well um, or made mistakes in the way they manage their finances. Many times it's not their fault. I mean, they never really made that much. And just uh, supporting your family uh, took all the money. Uh, or maybe you, uh, you know, you have three kids and you funded their college, you know, and at the expense of your own retirement. And I always tell my clients that, that are, are, are funding the children's college education, that's not cheap, as you know, uh, that this is not a college problem. It's a retirement problem for you, right? What you're doing now is going to directly affect your retirement. And I, I just tell people, let them pay for their own college. Now, if you did the planning right, you had a 529 plan and you have a nest egg put away for that, that's fine. But if you don't, and you're going to have to remortgage your house or sell your IRA account out to pay for tuition for your child, that's the wrong move. Let them go get student loans. Let them go to community college for almost nothing. And in some states, it is nothing. Let them stay in state when they go to a university. Let them get a job. During college, I worked during college. I paid for my own college. I took out my own student loans. 
My parents couldn't, couldn't afford to, to pay for my college. So it becomes a big retirement problem. But we're seeing more and more people that are entering this really critical time of 65 plus with little or no savings, no pension, and tremendous amount of debt. So seniors have a lot to worry about in the years ahead. So when did um, 65 become uh, the magic age for senior citizenship? Well, part of the answer lies in the creation of Social Security in 1935. The average life expectancy in 1935 was just under 60. So when they set the retirement age to get uh, uh, Social Security, or at least full Social Security, 65 in 1916, uh, they knew that a lot of people weren't going to make it that far. And that Social Security was there for the people that did live that long. I mean, if you were in your 65 back in 1935, you were an old man, old woman. I'm 63. I don't feel like an old person. I don't plan on retiring anytime soon. But back then it was different. We're living longer. We're healthier. Well, some of us are anyway. And many people now are living to 90 or 100. So 65 was the magic number due mainly to Social Security and Medicare that people were saying, as long as I can get that, get to there. Also, many corporate pension plans, when they were around, 65 was the magic number where you retired and get your pension. Now, According to the Gallup organization, the average age people retire has been going up in the United States, but it's not even reached 65 yet. In 1991, the average adult reported retiring at age 57. It's now 61. So so a lot of people are retiring uh, way before the Medicare age, the Social Security maximum retirement age or full retirement age. And I like to think that these people have the money set aside to do that because the biggest problem with retiring early before 65 is health care costs, health insurance. Once that 65 rolls around, boy, that's a magic, magic time. Your 65th birthday is magic because the majority of your health care costs now are going to be borne by the government in a program that you contributed into your entire working life and your employer did as well. And that's the Medicare tax that comes uh, comes out of your payroll. Now, another thing you have to be aware of as you get older and you're, you're 65 plus and you're retired is that scammers have you in their sights. That's right. You know, I talked about, uh, was it last week about or the week before about the fake grandchild calls, the AI generated exact voices of your family calling you and saying they're in trouble and they need, they need money right now wired to a certain place. And we're going to talk about uh, what to do to protect uh, seniors from scams in a little bit. Uh, The FBI reports that in 2021, more than 92,000 people age 60 or older were scammed online for a total amount of $1.7 billion. So this is more than any other age group. And one of the common things, too, that they do is... uh, uh, it's called government impersonators. Uh, the con artist calls you and poses as an IRS agent, telling uh, telling you that you owe taxes. And since most people are afraid of the IRS, you know, I didn't think I owed taxes, but, well, we're going to have to garnish your bank account 
and put a lien on your house if you don't pay uh, this $3,500. And you'd be surprised how many people just write a check because they're afraid. Um, or there's the, you want a sweepstakes. All you got to do is send us a certain processing fee so we can get you your check. And we'll wire the funds to you. That, that, that's that's a very common one. How can you win a sweepstakes that you never entered? I mean, it's just some of these things are common sense. But we'll get into that a little bit more uh, when we specifically talk about senior scams. Another thing you have to be aware of as you get older is ageism. Discrimination against you because of your age. A lot of people, and I'm seeing them because they come to me with their retirement nest eggs, are being let go from major corporations uh, at 58, 60, 61, before the year that they were planning to retire. Many were planning to retire at 65 or 67, full retirement age to get Social Security. But they've been left laid off earlier than that. In the, in, the, in the guise of downsizing. They're trying to get rid of the big salary. They're trying to get rid of your pension. Uh, and they want to bring somebody in for half the price who has only a 401k. Uh, and they say, well, it's based on this. It's based on that. We're downsizing your position. We hear you're, uh, you're harassing the women. That's a good one. And this is ageism. I mean, it's, it's financial discrimination because not necessarily because of your age, uh, but because of how much money you make and, and the liability, financial liability to the company. But uh, try to get another job. And that's the problem with these people. Who wants to hire somebody in their 60s? Uh, especially when, you know, their salary demands are going to be quite high due to their experience. Uh, and you don't know when they're going to retire. So I'm going to hire somebody now, invest all the time in training them uh, and building relationships uh, with clients and everything else, only to have this person retire uh, as soon as they turn 65 or 67. That's age discrimination. Uh, and it's illegal, but it happens all the time. Another thing about turning 65 and older is get ready to take more drugs. Obviously, people 65 and older uh, take prescription drugs more frequently than any other U.S. age group. That That's common sense. Obviously, our health changes as we get older, and uh, we need medicine. As a matter of fact, 90% of people over 65 take at least one medication. And more than half are saying they're taking four or more. And the most common drugs that you use, that older people use, are uh, cholesterol drugs, anti-diabetic stuff, beta blockers for heart. So uh, just expect to uh, spend a lot more time at your local CBS when you're 65 or older. Another thing we have to be aware of is, is uh, you're not imagining all these new uh, aches and pains in your body. Uh, of course, we're going to have that. With stiffening blood vessels, we have we have weakening bones, we have uh, problems with our posture uh, and our spine, and we have arthritis, and we have all kinds of problems. Then we start having problems with our our um, our, our thinking skills uh, because of the aging of the brain, and. You're more likely when you're 65 or older, especially women, to develop one or more chronic conditions that you have the rest of your life. Asthma, arthritis, even cancer. 
So that's not something we really want to look forward to, uh, is getting older. You know, we talk about Alzheimer's and, we, you know, um, dementia, which is obviously, uh, we're all dealing with it with people in our family. Uh, we're even dealing with it with our president of the United States. Uh, and that's the reason, the reason why is that uh, we live older. I mean, the brain wasn't meant to live to be 80 years old. As I said before, uh, in 1935, people died before 60. So the brain was produced or built or created <laughs> by the Almighty um, to last 60 years, maybe 70. Uh, but with many people living into their late 80s, early 90s, uh, the brain says, I'm checking out. Uh, you got the most you can out of me uh, for 80-something years. Uh, I, I'm, I'm no longer willing to work so hard. So that's another thing we have to look forward to. But there's plenty of perks. There's plenty of great things about being 65 or older. I mentioned before, free health care. At least mostly free health care. I know you pay Medicare Part B premiums. I know you have to get a supplemental policy. But it's a lot cheaper than it is if you were paying for your own health insurance uh, prior to Medicare. So that's a good thing. That's a perk. Social Security, money for nothing. Get your chicks for free. Um, it's not money for nothing. You pull, you paid into that Social Security trust fund your entire life. Quite a bit of money. And I've laid it out on this program before. You know, you figure, you know, uh, six point, what is it, 6.2% comes out of your paycheck. 6.2% the employer matches. So if you make 100000 a year, you got about $15,000 going into Social Security each year. For 40 years of your working life, now you're not always making 100000 uh, but but still, you got money going in there your entire life. And then they give it back to you in really small amounts. Now, if that was an investment account invested in the market over that time frame, you'd have millions of dollars. And you'd be able to give you know leave it for your kids. You'd be able to determine your own income. Uh, it would be a totally different ballgame. But, you know, Social Security is a Ponzi scheme. People working now are paying for people who are retired. You think all the money that you put in the Social Security trust fund is sitting there in a bank account with your name on it? No, that money's already been spent. We need new people coming in. That's the biggest problem when you have so many people becoming 65 and older and leaving the workforce. You don't have enough people paying into the system. When Social Security started, there was about 15 people working, paying into the system compared to one person retired and taking it out. Now the ratio is somewhere about two and a half to one, and it continues to go down. Why? Well, many people retiring, as we said before, and uh, the birth rate is down. So you have less people going into the workforce. So it's, it's happening on both ends. And that's why Social Security is going to have a major problem, probably before 2030. And we'll see how Washington decides to deal with that. Because uh, if the trust fund doesn't have enough money, the law states that you get 80% of benefits you were getting. Can you imagine that? Uh, I told you before how uh, impoverished most uh, uh, senior families are going to be because they have no savings, they have debt, and they're only living on Social Security. Can you imagine them struggling to, to get by and then all of a sudden you get notified that you know, you're getting a 20% haircut? I mean, it's only a finite amount of money out there 
you can't just, well, I guess you can't print it, right? Uh, and that's exactly what they would do. I can't see uh, Social Security ever, ever cutting anybody's benefits. It's just politically, it just would be unpalatable. Uh, we'll, we'd rather print the money, have inflation, give you you know the same amount of money, more money, whatever it is. Money that's worth less and less and less. So in essence, it has the same effect of you becoming poorer and poorer and poorer. But getting back to the perks, I mean, uh, when you're a senior, uh, you can get uh, free food and meal discounts. Amtrak offers 10% discounts for most fares when you turn 65. You know, you could also get a lifetime senior pass for the national parks for just $80. $80 is the cost of an annual pass for anybody else. So you, you, you buy this pass once, you use it for the rest of your life. That's pretty neat. Some states also have discounts for those 65 and over at state parks. Uh, many cruise lines or for senior discounts. Some movie theaters give you a discount. I know AMC does. Uh, some um, grocery stores have senior day. My wife came home last week. She went shopping on a Tuesday and she goes, you know, Lou, we got a 5% discount because we're over 60 and Tuesday is senior day. I go, well, I didn't know that. I mean, you know, you buy $200 worth of groceries, you save $10, but that's $10, right? Now, I always thought, I always thought that it was discriminatory to give one person a different price than somebody else. I always thought it, I always thought it was. You know, if you're, if you're a woman, you know, come in today and you'll get, you know, 10% off your cafe latte at Starbucks. Uh, or if you're a senior, I mean, you know. Why? Because you're 65 and older, you get discounts, and I don't. I'm struggling to put food on my table, pay for my kids' college. You're sitting here collecting free health care and getting paid by the government to do nothing, and now everybody's giving you discounts. Now, I'm kind of kind of kidding, trying to kind of being sarcastic here. Seniors deserve this discounts. I don't really have a problem with it because I'm a senior now. <laughs> Uh, also, many states offer property tax relief when you turn 65. Here in New Jersey, right? We have a great, great uh, property tax relief programs for seniors in New Jersey. Uh, one is the property tax freeze, also known as the senior freeze or the, uh, the PTR program. Great program in New Jersey. Many of my clients take advantage of it that are 65 and older. And it freezes your property taxes to the year you qualify. And anytime there's an increase in your property taxes, you get a refund by just applying for that refund. And this program has been around for a long time. I have clients who were um, went into the program 10, 12, 13 years ago, froze their taxes at $2,000 a year, and now their taxes are $7,000 a year. One thing we know for sure, taxes go up, right? Real estate taxes. Especially as your property goes up and they do a revaluation of the town and boom. Uh, in New Jersey, you lock them in. And you also have other benefits uh, from your states. Every state's different, but I know New Jersey. Uh, if you're a senior and your income is a certain level, you get uh, $5 prescriptions. Uh, you uh, have some benefits on utilities. So there is some perks to getting old. 
You even get a break on your income taxes. Do you know that you get a higher standard deduction if you're a senior? And the additional standard deduction in 2023 is $1,850 for single filers. If you're married, filing jointly, double that. And that's going up to $1,950 more next year. So many senior couples now have a $30,000 standard deduction, which in many cases erases all their income and they pay zero in taxes. And some states offer tax exemptions for people 65 and older. Uh, In New Jersey, if you're 62 and older, you get a retirement exemption over $100,000. So pension income, IRA income, annuity income, all exempt in New Jersey if you're 62 and older. So there is some advantages to getting old. And, you know, there was a guy who once said, I forgot who it was, it says, get busy living or get busy dying. So you just have to accept it. Some people just dread becoming 65 because that officially makes them seniors. Uh, Not necessarily elderly, but seniors. But... The average male could expect to live another 17 years. Just because you turn 65 doesn't mean you're dying soon. And a woman's going to last almost 20 years longer. So go with the flow. 65, it's a magical age. Uh, A lot of things happen. A lot of things change in your life. It's a good time to evaluate what's going on in your life and what's going to go on in the future, health-wise, financial-wise. And everything else. Um, But we're seeing now uh, 12,000 people a day that were born in 1959 uh, retiring, getting Medicare, getting Social Security. uh, And those numbers are staggering. And we're just talking about one year, people in 1959, because they're hitting, you know, full retirement age now. And many people wait that long. And it's just going to get more and more and more and more and more. And industries that cater to seniors, that's a great place to invest. Whether it's healthcare, whether it's nursing home corporations. I mean, those needs are just going to go up and up and up. Food delivery services, uh, construction companies that um, specialize in retirement communities. Uh, they're all going to have a lot of business. So if you think it through and think about what businesses serve seniors, uh, that's the businesses you want to invest in. All right, on the other side of the break, uh, we're going to talk about uh, gray divorces. Uh, One of the other things that's happening when you turn 65 is uh, potentially getting divorced. We're seeing uh, a big percentage of um, people uh, that are senior citizens uh, moving towards divorce. We'll talk about why January is known as Divorce Month amongst lawyers and financial advisors. We're also going to talk about some things that you need to do um, to protect uh, your parent or yourself uh, against elder financial abuse, which is really a big subject, and much, much more to come here on The Financial Physician. My name's Luz Gatigna. Don't go away. 
Are you currently retired or planning to retire in the next five years? Hey, Lou Scatigna here, certified financial planner, personal finance author, president of AFM Investments. Why not join me for a comprehensive financial review at my downtown Tom's River office? Banks are paying virtually nothing, and the stock market has become a risky casino. But there are ways to achieve reasonable returns without taking on big risks. Let me show you how. During our meeting, I will determine your net worth, find ways to maximize your income, and minimize your taxes. I'll review your estate plan and discuss strategies to protect your estate from nursing home costs. Managing your finances is more complicated than ever, but you don't have to go it alone. So make your no-obligation appointment today by calling 732-905-8100. That's 732-905-8100. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, a family-owned and operated premier septic installation and repair company with more than a decade of experience in the septic services. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer provides full-service maintenance and cleaning services, pumping septic tanks, repairing broken sewer lines, cleaning of grease tanks for restaurants, as well as real estate septic inspections, repairs, and installations. Phone 732-600-8721 or go to jerseyshoreseptic.com to learn more. Jersey Shore Septic and Sewer, top quality work at the most affordable rates. As I said when I opened the program uh, last week's uh, financial, economic, and political forecast show, uh, really brought in a record number of listeners, uh, and I really appreciate that. And the only way that happens is because you send the link to family and friends, you put it on your social media, uh, and that's the way the podcast grows. Uh, and I thank you so much for that. You want to get in touch with me, you have a comment on the program, something I could help you with, or you just want to say hi, uh, the email address is very simply lou at thefinancialphysician.com, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. All right, before the break, I was talking about um, the magic of turning 65 and retiring, but The sad truth is that we all become vulnerable, more vulnerable to scams and financial abuse as we age into our later years. It's just what happens. Here are some sobering statistics. These statistics are amazing Um, from Consumer Affairs. Older people are swindled out of more than $3 billion each year. $3 billion. That's $3,000 million. Uh, Quite a bit of money. More than 3.5 million older adults are victims of financial exploitation each year. Three and a half million. And older people targeted by fraudsters suffer an average loss. Listen to this. $34,200. Can you imagine being scammed out of $34,200? I tell you, as a financial advisor, um, I see this all the time. Our clients will call me, Lou, is this real? I had a client scammed, you know, the Nigerian scam where they say, you know, you won a million dollars, you just got to send us X thousands of dollars so we could process your winnings and wire you the money. I had a client that actually fell for that. And I kept telling him, no, don't send any money. And when he sent the 3000 and he asked for more, he, he sent it again. I mean, it drives me crazy. And as a financial advisor, I, I, I believe it's crucial to ensure, ensure that my client's Hard-earned wealth remains secure and protected and not scammed away. Or financial abuse, elder abuse, that's a whole other thing. And, and one of the things I try to do is I try to give them insight and I try to give their children insight into what goes on out there. 
and what they could do to protect themselves. First thing I try to do is raise awareness with our clients. We talk about the potential risk of this all the time. And unfortunately, a lot of this risk comes from within the family itself or friends. I see all the time. I have a client right now who, uh, whose only son uh, had power of attorney over her account. She has Alzheimer's. And he is joint on her bank account. And he has an ATM card on her bank account. And he basically uses her bank account to fund his household expenses. And then he calls me and tells me to wire more money from her investment account to the bank account. Now, I see this happening. And I can't do anything about it because he has power of attorney. So he can call my office and tell me to do something and I have to do it. She has Alzheimer's. But this is, this is elder abuse. Now, his view is that, well, it's going to be mine anyway. So if I take it now, who cares? I'll tell you what the problem is. A, ultimately, she's going to need more and more in-home care. She has that now, but she's going to need probably custodial care at some point. And her money's going to be gone. And she won't be able to get Medicaid because they look back five years to see if any of her money was gifted to somebody else. Every time he uses that ATM card, she has transferred that money to him including the half of the account that's now in his name, that's a gift. So she's going to have all kinds of problems being able to pay for a nursing home if she needs it. I pray to God she doesn't. I pray to God that, uh, no, I don't want to go into it. I just, just, she doesn't live that long to have to do that because this is going to be a major problem. But that's just one example. A son financially abusing his own mother. A lot of times it comes from uh, caregivers, you know, someone who comes in a live-in or or somebody, they exploit that person. Uh, I am now, now in the, in the financial services business, they've added a new wrinkle when you open up an account and that's called trusted advisor. So when I have an older client, especially a, a single older client, especially a widow, all right, that doesn't have to be a widow. It could be a widower. Uh, that's getting old um, and uh, doesn't have the ability to really uh, know what's going on is uh, we name a trusted contact, somebody that I can call. So say I see um, all of a sudden a client who never really took a lot of money out of their accounts. They keep calling my assistant Evelyn and wanting us to wire 5000 to their account, 5000 here, 5000 there. And this is a very unusual pattern. We don't usually see this person do it. Well, in the past, I couldn't do anything. If she called me up and says, why are $5,000? We had to do it. But now that there's a trusted advisor, a trusted contact, I now legally can call the trusted contact and say, do you know that mom has been taking all this money out of her account? Right? That would have been illegal for me to do that in the past. It's not now. As long as that person is named as the trusted contact on the application or added later. And I try to really make sure we get a trusted contact, especially if a person is single. So I can make that phone call and try to protect them. Um, and, you know, if your parent, you know, uh, is on their own, uh, you got to uh, communicate with them and make sure. Talk to them frequently. 
and find out if there's anything unusual going on with them financially. Uh, and maybe you do have to make yourself power of attorney. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you would protect her from that. It just means that you could act on her behalf. But that doesn't mean that she's not being scammed by somebody on the phone. But at least maybe she'll mention something that sounds suspicious to you. Uh, and then you can look into it more. And that's another thing, too. Sometimes people name the wrong person power of attorney. That person should be trustworthy and capable of honestly managing their loved one's finances. And sometimes um, it isn't a family member that has power of attorney. As I mentioned earlier, this son was the worst person to make the power of attorney because he's basically enriching himself with his mother's money and possibly not allowing her to have enough money to get into a nursing home or get Medicaid. So, uh, you know, as mom's getting older, maybe you should be on her account. Maybe you should have the ability to go online. And that's another thing that you can do. Hey, mom, I want to have online access to your checking account. Right, so I can monitor it, make sure nothing's going on unusual there. Also, I want to, um, could you uh, make me, uh, allow me to get copies of your, your brokerage statements every month so I could see what's going on there. Just to protect you, that's all. That's a really good thing to do. And another thing, too, is that if there's an identity theft issue, that's another issue altogether, Right. Uh, you could you could you could find out about it early enough and you could fix it. A lot of times, a couple of years can go by before you even know that your identity's been um, uh, stolen. Another thing, we have a digital world right now, which means that we have increased risks, and scams are all over online, right? Um, make sure that their passwords are changed periodically. Uh, make sure they're using pretty strong pa- passwords. Um, we also uh, recommend that they take steps in keeping their documents secure, uh, shredding sensitive papers that they don't need, Un- uh, realizing that if you get an email and somebody wants uh, to, to, to um, verify your Social Security number and your birth date, not to share that information. Very, very important to do all this stuff. And it's a lot of work to protect yourself against scams. And these scams, these financial scams against seniors and and all this elder abuse stuff that goes on, they're always evolving. There's always different scams that are out there. There's Medicare scams, there's crime scams, there's phishing scams, charity scams, funeral scams, IRS impersonation scams. Romance scams, scams, counterfeit prescription drug scams, Bad, false investment opportunities. I mean, it goes on and on. I'm looking at this list. Home repair scams, lotteries, reverse mortgage scams, cryptocurrency fraud, fake insurance and identity theft. And vigilance is the key here. I mean, it's really, really, you know, there's got to be a special place in hell for anybody that would scam a senior citizen out of their life savings. I mean, 
How could how could people be so heartless? I mean, it's bad enough that you're committing a crime against anybody by stealing their money, scamming them, defrauding them. That's bad enough as it is. But to do it to a, a widow who's who's having mental health issues. I mean, uh, again, I, I hope that the devil has a special special room for these people. They meant child abusers. Anybody who abuses a child um, or or scams a senior uh, should be in that special room in hell. Anyway, um, uh, I'm talking more for uh, the children of older people because you know if they're going to be scammed, chances are they're declining health wise, um, mental health wise, memory wise. It's up to us to make sure that our parents uh, don't succumb to these kind of scams. And it takes a bit of work. All right, so as you begin a new year, uh, usually we have a bunch of resolutions uh, that we never keep. uh, To lose weight, stop smoking, maybe uh, learn a new language, stop drinking. But uh, sadly... Uh, the new year brings an increase in divorce filings. And many attorneys and many financial advisors have come to refer to January as divorce month. And the reason being, I think it's pretty, pretty reason. If you think about it, most people like to avoid uh, what they're going to assume is going to be a very negative experience during the holidays. And they want to start the new year with a new chapter in their lives. So, so many people will hold off till after the holidays uh, to get divorced uh, or to make the decision to get divorced. But we're seeing more and more now, as I said earlier, older people getting divorced. Usually if you make it to 60, 65, you've pretty much been with each other for a long time. You've been through the ups and downs. You know who that person is. If you're going to divorce them, you think you would have done it already. But that's not necessarily true. It's maybe you wanted to wait for your children uh, to get married. Uh, Maybe you wanted to wait for uh, your children to get through college, especially if you had children later in life. Uh, Maybe the reason why is that, you know, as I said earlier, you're realizing that um, your spouse didn't put enough away for retirement and he, he blew a lot of it on wine, women and song. Or other vices like gambling or who knows what. And um, and we're seeing more and more people deciding late in life uh, to get divorced. And it's really sad. Now, here's some other reasons. I mean, uh, there's an increased acceptance of divorce in society. You know, you know decades ago, divorce was a pretty stigmatizing thing. But older, older adults, uh, you know, have lived through divorces themselves and their parents and so forth. And it's, it's more common. And a, a lot of now um, older adults are in their second or third marriages, which are more likely to end in divorce than first marriages. They say uh, about 45% of first marriages fail, which is a high number. That's terrible. Almost half of marriages fail. Um, that's sad in of itself. But that number rises to, to the mid-60% level 
for second marriages and even higher for third marriages. Another thing is um, women's participation in the workforce. Divorce now is a more feasible option for women because they have economic freedom. You know, way back when, what? You know, many women didn't work. So they were totally financially dependent on their working husband. Now most women work. They have their own 401ks. They have their own, uh, they'll have the equitable distribution of assets. They've built up a nice uh, social security because they've been working their whole life. They could support themselves outside of marriage. And uh, increase life expectancy. That's another factor because it decreases the likelihood that marriages will end because of death. And increases um, the chance of them getting divorced and said, you know, you say, I, I can't wait for that old bitch to die. Um, <laughs> that's one thing. But uh, the women's lived to live longer than men and they're living longer period. And so are men. So uh, chances are that if you're not happy in your marriage, uh, they're not going to die anytime soon. Isn't this a terrible conversation? To have? Terrible subject. Um, and I said, you know, uh, divorce uh, increases once the children are gone. And you don't stay married for the sake of the children. And, you know, a lot of people read self-help books. They go online. And, and, and many of these places uh, and these books, these self, self-help books um, and personal development they, they say that uh, don't stay in a bad marriage. It's the worst thing you possibly can do. And uh, age 65 is the only age group where we're seeing an increase in divorces as a percent. So uh, is it a bad thing or a good thing? Well, anytime a marriage ends, it's, it's a bad thing. It's a sad thing. But sometimes it's the right thing. And I see... Um, I see women, I see men that come to me and they're separated from their spouse or they see the writing on the wall that he's going to divorce me, I'm going to divorce him, the marriage isn't working. Lou, what can I do? Am I going to be okay? And I never did so much divorce financial planning as I'm doing now. Uh, Because a lot of times when people were getting divorced, they were getting divorced relatively young, there wasn't a lot of assets there. there wasn't a lot to talk about at that point. Uh, maybe a both spouse was was still working, but when you're retired, uh, you got to understand it. Hey, look, am I going to have enough assets? Am I going to have enough income to survive this divorce? And we do a lot of planning in that area right now. So sad thing, divorce is always sad. Seeing it with uh, seniors, uh, I think it's doubly sad. Um, these are the years you should be uh, in your rocking chairs on the porch holding each other's hands and contemplating the life you've had together. Uh, but for many seniors, uh, that's not the case. All right, early on we were talking about uh, the magic that is age 65. Uh, you get Medicare. Many people retire around that age. But uh, there's another factor that affects this as well. Many older people are supporting their adult children financially. And for many people, it's really affecting their finances. I mean, we love our kids, right? And our grandkids. And uh, if supporting them is a good thing, you have the financial ability to do so, well, that's fine. Uh, You're giving them their inheritance now. Uh, 
But sometimes it's not so good. There's a new study out by um, Credit Karma saying almost 32% of parents with kids over 18 provide financial support. They may allow their children to live in their home, 64%. Um, Pay most or some of their monthly bills, 49%. Pay some or all of their kids' rent and provide regular allowances, 23%. So what this does is that this negatively affects, obviously, the parents. This survey uh, highlights that 76% of parents who financially support their adult children report a negative impact on their own finances. And another 60% say the support causes mental stress. Um, And while many surveyed parents make sacrifices in order to support their grown children, including 52% cutting back on living expenses, 27% are postponing retirement, And 39% are struggling to afford the basic necessities like bills and groceries. (laughs) It says here in this article, uh, some question if there's an expiration date on helping their kids financially. Yeah, you think at some point, you know, they'll be able to support themselves, right? I'm legally have to support them till they're 18. After that, they should be on their own. But that's not the way it's happening now. So should parents pay for their adult children? I mean, the reasons why vary. Uh, I guess some of us have a sense of obligation to do so. There are children, after all. Uh, Maybe you feel bad because of the high cost of living or uh, they're having trouble finding a job. Uh, Rents are so high. They got student loan debt. And we know, look, you know, millennials now and younger people are having much more trouble achieving financial independence. And that a lot has to do with high housing costs, high education costs. And there's nothing wrong with providing some financial support to your adult children. But when it begins to have a negative impact on your finances, it's probably time to reevaluate that. And, and the first thing to do is understand your limits. Make sure you can afford to help your kids financially. Uh, but you can't hurt yourself financially to do so. And you have to be willing to say no. It's the hardest thing I know. I know. It's, uh, I'm, a, I'm a father, too, of two children. And I've had to help them both out over times. And still do to some extent. And, and, and thankfully, I'm blessed enough that it doesn't adversely affect my financial life. But I have clients that I, I, I know. They're always giving money to their kids. And I say, you can't do this anymore. They're bleeding you dry. Who's going to take care of you when all your money's gone? They don't have it. So you have to have some boundaries here. And and one of them is is to um, clearly communicate to them that, look, this is hurting me. I don't have it. I, I have to cut back on things that I need to give you money. Or I'm going to run out of money in retirement. Then what am I going to do? Um, and maybe this teaches them a little self-control. Maybe they have to do some sacrifice. And that's the thing, too. You know, when I say kids, I'm talking about adult, adult kids in their 30s, their 40s, right? They, they live a, a pretty nice life in America. 
They have to have the cell phone and they have to have the, all the cable channels and uh, they have to have the new sneakers. You know, they, they don't sacrifice and they don't have to sacrifice if they're using yours and my money. And maybe by setting limits, uh, you could uh, make them become financially independent by having them make sacrifices in their life and do the things that they need to do to get ahead. Because if they know that they could, all they have to do is call mom and she'll write me a check. Uh, they're not going to do what they have to do to become financially independent. Now, I tell my clients, especially my widowed clients, tell them to call me. You know, you can't tell them no, I'll tell them no. I'll tell them that you're harming your mother, that she only has so much assets here. I calculate she's going to run out of money, and what are we going to do then? She can't do it anymore, and you got to figure out plan B. And that's why if you have a financial advisor, defer to them. They don't necessarily like to hear me say that, but it's better coming from me because I don't give a crap what they think. I don't have that guilt if I don't want to do it. I'm only, I only care about my client. I don't care about their kids. Um, so that's one way to handle it. All right, uh, it's tax time. I'm gearing up for my income tax season. And by the way, we are taking new tax clients this year, um, as we do every year. Uh, people die off. People move away. Um, uh, so we we'll always have room for more clients uh, for income taxes. Uh, if you want to make an appointment with me, very simple. Call my office. Don't have to do that till you get all your documents, which won't be till February 1st. Um, we'll make sure we get you, we get you in. Uh, 732-905-8100. And if you're out of state... Um, I'd say more than half my tax returns are, are out of state that I do. And we do it all through uh, overnight mail, uh, priority mail. Uh, so there's no problem. You could scan and, and email me your W-2s and all that stuff. And we have no problem uh, doing taxes for people uh, that aren't local. And, and many of our local people, too, they mail it in. They don't need to see me. And, you know, most people that I deal with are pretty basic um, they're retired seniors, they get Social Security, they get pension, maybe they have annuities, or they have capital gains. Um, so, so, so we deal with that pretty easily. Um, but if you're local, you want to come in and sit down and, and, and then have me do them, that's fine. But we are taking on new clients. And one thing that you need to know uh, is that now that uh, it's January, we just sent out a checklist to all our tax clients uh, of what to expect in the mail. And what to do with those documents to make it easier on me and them when we do the taxes? What are you going to get? W-2. That'll come in January. 1099-R if you have a pension plan or you have money coming out of an annuity uh, or an IRA account. Uh, what else are we going to get? Um, uh, Social Security forms. How much did you get in Social Security? 1099-INT from your banks. That's interest. 1099 DIV from stocks you own, dividends. A 1099B from your brokerage firm. Say you have a brokerage account. You may have capital gains. You have dividends in there. Uh, the brokerage firm is going to send you a 1099B. Uh, that doesn't usually come till mid, mid-February, mid as late as February 20th. Uh, the IRS has allowed uh, uh, brokerage firms more time to prepare those. So you may not have all your documents by February 1st, especially if you have a brokerage account. And um, most of my tax clients are investment clients with me. So they don't get their 1099 from their brokerage account. I don't have it. It's not even on my computer uh, until February 20th. So if you're a client of mine, 
you know, it's it's just not going to come until February 20th. It's just the way it is in the brokerage industry. So once you get all that stuff together, don't keep it separate. Keep it all in one place. Now, most documents that come in the mail that are related to taxes, um, it says important tax information enclosed on the front of the envelope. Now, there's some risk to that because uh, what if somebody opens it and gets your personal financial information inside? And nowadays, uh, very rarely will you get um, something in the mail from a bank or a brokerage firm that has your full social security number on it. Usually it's the last four digits and a bunch of X's, right? But that's not true with social security. The form that social security mails to you has your full social security number on it. Your W-2 usually has your full social security number on it. So I always wondered what the wisdom of, uh, you know, mailing these to somebody and putting on the front of it important tax information. Oh, because if I'm a thief or maybe I'm a letter carrier uh, and I'm scamming, I want to do identity theft. Uh, It's not too hard to do. So get all these stuff, put it in an envelope or a folder that says 2023 taxes on it. Take the documents out of the envelope. This is one of my big pet peeves, and I always have to train new clients to do this. Do not give me unopened envelopes. Any accountant will tell you that, because now we have to open the envelopes, which makes an extra step for us. And also, maybe we get a paper cut. So it's maybe making it very dangerous to do your taxes. I kid, I kid about the paper cuts, but no, uh, sometimes people give me an envelope full of, uh, a folder full of envelopes that aren't opened. I have to open 12 envelopes, right? Open them, take the document out, open the document, put it in a folder or in a big envelope and, uh, and keep it handy and uh, look at the checklist. I send out a checklist. Uh, many accountants do that. Uh, and make sure that you have everything um, that you need to make the appointment with your accountant. Now, uh, a, a good exercise to do that is take out last year's taxes and look through it and say, do I have that document? Do I have that uh, from this bank? Do I have that from that brokerage firm? Another thing is that, and, and, and less so now because standard deductions are so high, uh, the total amount of unreimbursed medical expenses, you have to calculate that. And that's difficult for a lot of clients because especially those who have a lot of health issues, they got to find all their co-pays, uh, all the money they laid out prescriptions at the CVS uh, and all that stuff. Medical mileage, you know, during the year, you're supposed to be keeping track of the miles you drive back and forth to doctors and hospitals. That may be tax deductible. But who does that, especially when you're ill? I mean, you're going to keep a you're going to keep a ledger. You know, you're going to make an estimate. Same is true of charitable contributions. Uh, if you made a lot of charitable contributions, we need to know what contributions you made and to who. Now, as I said before, most people don't itemize anymore, and you can't deduct medical expenses if you don't itemize. You can't deduct charitable contributions if you don't itemize. You can't deduct interest on your mortgage. That's another document you'll get in January uh, if you don't itemize. You can't deduct your property taxes if you don't itemize. Now, for many people, like I said, the standard deduction is so high that they don't itemize. So many times people will come in with this big list of medical expenses and stuff, and it's just not enough to itemize. You were going to take the standard deduction, which I'll go over what the new standard deductions are. They're very generous. 
So they did all this work for nothing. Or they made charitable contributions because they thought it would be tax deductible and they thought they'd be getting some tax benefit from it and they're not. So if you're not sure, you know, call my office, send me an email and say, Lou, do you think I need to itemize my medical expenses? And I'll say, well, what, how much do you think it is? Uh, $5,000. No, don't waste your time. First of all, medical expenses are only deductible to the extent that they exceed 7.5% of your income. So if you make 100000 a year, 7.5% is $7,500 before the first dollar is deductible, and chances are you're going to take the standard deduction. So let's look at what the standard deductions are for 2023. Say you're a single taxpayer. You could deduct $13,850 in your standard deduction for 2023. If you're a single senior, add $1,850 to that. So your standard deduction is $15,700. If you're married, filing jointly, it's $27,700. And if you're a senior couple, both 65 and older, it's $31,400. So you see why I'm saying that for many people, uh, there's no way they're going to itemize because these numbers are so great, especially if you're married. If you're married, it's really large. Single, sometimes we find that that, that uh, itemizing makes sense because they have a large mortgage, they have high property taxes, they may have high medical bills, they may have made a lot of charitable contributions, and they would itemize. Because the way it works is you take the higher of the itemized deductions or the standard deduction. Now, roughly, I want to say about 60% of my clients in the past, before they changed the rule, uh, itemized deductions on Schedule A. Now I'd say less than 20% do, because the standard deduction is so large that the itemized deductions are not enough. Add to that the limit on state and local income taxes that you can deduct um, to to $10,000. Even people who live in high-tax states now do not itemize deductions. Now in 2024, those amounts are going up. Uh, Married filing jointly, it's going to be $29,200. for um, single, 14600 And again, you could add uh, more to seniors. Seniors are going to go up. It's going to be about 32000 32000 and change for seniors uh, in 2024. So if, you know, a lot of people call me and say, Lou, especially seniors, Lou, do I have to file income taxes? Well, the answer is it depends. Or they ask me how much income can I make and not have to file taxes or have a zero tax rate. And that's the standard deduction. So if you're if you're a single senior and uh, your taxable income is less than $15,700. Now, keep in mind, too, in many cases, if you have relatively low income, Social Security is not taxable income at all. So if, if a senior has Social Security and, and maybe has a, a $10,000 pension and $500 in interest, uh, their taxable income is going to be less than the standard deduction. And they do not have to file because the IRS knows because of all the W-2s, the the 1099s and everything that are filed. They know how much income you have and and they know what your standard deduction is. So if you don't file at all, you don't have to file if your income is zero. Now, there's certain exceptions to that rule. Uh, If you have capital gain, you'll have to quantify that on Schedule D, even though you may not have to pay taxes on it. Uh, If you have rent, 
Uh, that's another issue that you'd have to reconcile on a tax return. And there's some other, there's, there's some other issues that would make you file regardless. But if you have, a, you know, you have $10,000 in taxable income and you're, you're a senior with 15700 standard deduction, why are you going to pay somebody to do a tax return that's not necessary? And some people feel like they're doing something wrong but not filing their taxes, uh, even though they don't pay any. That's not true. And if you're a married senior, you're both 65 and older, and you got a $31,400 standard deduction, I mean, and you don't have that much income, you don't have to file unless you have those exemptions uh, that I talked about earlier. Another thing on taxes that I want to touch on is that uh, tax brackets um, are being expanded, meaning that uh, the income you could earn in a certain tax bracket before it bumps up is, um, is going to be higher, which means that you're going to have more income at a lower tax rate. And you may see uh, in January here in your first uh, paychecks uh, that you're bringing home more than you were uh, last year. And that's a result of um, the expanded tax brackets. They're not usually expanded, but they're expanded nonetheless. So tax time, uh, yes, we're taking new clients. Make sure that you're organized uh, with everything that comes in the mail. Uh, be very careful with your mail these days. You don't, you know, we get a lot of junk stuff and we throw it out. You don't want to throw out an important tax document. So be a little bit more diligent when you bring the mail in. Uh, look through everything to make sure nothing is tax related. And if it is, take it out of the envelope and put it in a folder altogether in one place uh, and make sure that um, uh, you're nice and organized. Your accountant will be very appreciative. Uh, last week, uh, we were talking about our forecast and I was talking about uh, the potential for uh, the Mideast war to, to really escalate into something um, that we don't want to see, a world war or at least a regional war of some kind. And it's getting closer to, to that. Um, this week, um, the U.S. Navy shot down 21 Houthi missiles and drones launched from Yemen against one of our battleships or military ships that was in the Red Sea. The largest attack uh, to take place in the Red Sea in months. The military called it a quote-unquote complex attack carried out by Iranian-backed militants. It was Iran. So this happened at 9.15 Tuesday night in Yemen. There was 18 one-way attack drones, two anti-ship cruise missiles, and one anti-ship ballistic missile. The attack was launched toward international shipping lanes in the southern Red Sea. Why are we allowing this to happen? I mean, isn't that attack on us? Thank God we were able to, to, to head them off, intercept them. And it's, you know, they're going after merchant ships. Uh, they're going after our Navy ships. How long is it going to be till one of our ships sink? I don't know if I said that last week. That was one of my big fears is that uh, we're going to lose a battleship aircraft carrier or something like that. And the problem is these unmanned drones, uh, they could overwhelm a ship. What if they have 100 of them coming at one time? How do you shoot them all down and prevent at least one from hitting you? And how long is it going to be before uh, the Biden administration doesn't take action here? How many times are we going to allow Iran, through their proxies, to launch attacks against our, our personnel? Are we going to wait till one of these ships sink? And now we're automatically into World War III? 
Maybe that's what uh maybe that's what the plan is. I saw I read an article recently saying that uh, that's going to happen. One of our ships is going to be sunk sunk. And it may be not by the enemy. By us. A false flag attack to get us into the war and get us into a war with Iran and maybe Russia. And don't say that can't happen, Lou. It did happen. The Gulf of Tonkin, Vietnam War, false flags happen all the time. Would the U.S. government really sacrifice thousands of our Navy people and, 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 and a battleship or even an aircraft carrier? I don't know. I like to think not. But we seem to be allowing uh, these attacks against our ships. Do you think Donald Trump, if he was president, would, would, would not have done something already? And look, this, this, whole, this whole government is a joke. It is so incompetent in so many different ways. Or maybe it's not incompetent. Maybe everything is by design. A lot of people think that. Maybe it's by design. And then we have this crazy, outrageous... Uh, just ridiculous story of the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, disappears for a couple of weeks, or at least a week, uh, in intensive care in Walter Reed Hospital, and the White House doesn't know about it? The Assistant Defense Secretary was not informed about it? The defense chain of command has been totally broken at that point. What if something happened during this time? We're just talking about the potential of we're being, we're trying to shoot down our ships to sink them with missiles. And we got a defense secretary that checks out and nobody knows about it. I don't know if this has ever happened in government before. I mean, this gives you a real fuzzy feeling, doesn't it, of how our country is being run and defended right now. What our national security apparatus is doing. I mean, th- this is insane. And uh, how does the president of the United States, the White House, the national security advisor, not know that the secretary of defense is in the hospital, had cancer, was operated on, was in intensive care? I mean, this, and Congress didn't know about it. Uh, nobody knew about it. Head's got a role in this. This guy's got to resign. Now, of course, Biden never calls for anybody's resignation. Oh, they had a pleasant, cordial call, and he stands by his defense secretary. What this guy did put the country at risk. And why he did it, I don't know without informing anybody about this. I mean, this is really outrageous. We are being run, our country, every cabinet post is being run by some ideologue that doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Or worse, you take the Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas. This guy is the opposite of Homeland Security. It's Homeland insecurity, everything he's doing with the border. And then he goes to Congress and says the border is secure. Don't believe what you're seeing. The thousands and thousands of people coming in. And they said, uh, what was it? Um, since October 1st, 785,000 people have invaded our country. 785,000. In three months. This is insane. And there's my word again. My favorite word. Insane. And they're doing nothing to stop it. Uh, you look at a uh, Buddha judge, the transportation secretary. The whole airline system is falling apart. 
what, what, this guy is not Clark. This guy was the mayor of a small town in Indiana. How is he running the whole transportation industry of the United States? All these people are not qualified to do these jobs, including the president of the United States, by the way, and the vice president of the United States, and the secretary of state, and the Department of Homeland Security, and the education secretary. Oh, and that bimbo that uh, runs the energy department and wants to do away with all your appliances. They're all radical left-wing ideologues that don't know how to run anything. But it's one thing uh, to uh, screw around with the, the, the education department, although it does affect our kids. It's another thing to have the, the defense secretary, AWOL, uh, and nobody knowing about it, uh, how this guy doesn't resign. And why wouldn't he resign? The guy's freaking in a hospital in intensive care. He just had prostate cancer. He looks like he's going to die any minute. He's got to take the hit for this. Somebody does. But the Biden administration never turns on any of their people. No matter what they do, they're 100% behind them. It's just unbelievable what's going on here. Then on the border, right? Did you see this? The Mexican president demands $20 billion and work permits for 10 million Hispanics before offering immigration help. So this uh, president, his name is Lopez Obrador, he, um, he revealed what the U.S. must do in order for the Mexican government to help slow down the flow of migrants crossing the U.S.-Mexican border. And uh, the price is pretty steep. So he had this press conference last Friday, uh, and he announced his demands. And this comes one week after uh, the Mexican president met with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas and Secretary of State Blinken in Mexico City. So in order for Mexico to help the U.S., Lopez Obrador demanded that the U.S. provide $20 billion to Latin American and Caribbean countries, provide work visas, to 10 million Hispanics who have been working in the U.S. at least 10 years, end sanctions against Venezuela, and put an end to the blockade of Cuba. What is a Mexican president, what right does a Mexican president have to demand anything of the United States? Demanding, he wants to affect our foreign policy? Sanctions against Venezuela, we have to lift those? For him to stop this illegal invasion of our country? Now, I, I don't think uh, that... Uh, will Joe Biden accept this? Uh, who knows? Maybe he will pay ransom. Uh, some of these decisions, I don't think Biden can unilaterally make them. They, uh, I, I, you need approval of Congress, I think, for some of this stuff. Although uh, Biden and his administration has had no problem with executive orders and cutting Congress out on everything. Um, so this is, this is infuriating. This is really infuriating. And now you have the United States suing Texas because uh, they want to arrest people that come in here illegally and deport them. And we have our own government suing them to stop that. 
Then you had Joe Biden. He gives a speech uh, on January 6th, um, just lambasting President Trump. I mean, he's got nothing to run on. I mean, it's obvious that, that he's got nothing to show from the economy to inflation to the immigration to foreign policy to Afghanistan. And we go, go on and on and on with the incompetence, his mental problems, his corruption problems. So it's uh, pretty clear what he's going to do. Uh, he can't make the election about his achievements because he has none. So, uh, and we know he's made America certainly a worse country than when he came in. He's damaged everything. Our energy policy. Um, it's just amazing. So now his strategy is going to be to uh, just say, well, it's, it's, it's me or Trump, and Trump is going to destroy democracy. He's going to be authoritarian. Democracy is on the ballot. And uh, either you vote for me or democracy is over. This is the most undemocratic president there is. Look, look at the justice system, what they're doing to Trump and conservatives and everything. And, and they get away scot-free for, for actually committing crimes. Uh, the military is demoralized because of him. Do you know we've been so depleted with ammunition? We don't have it. We've given it all to Ukraine with mo- tons of money. Remember what Trump said when he first came in? To office, he said, we had no bullets. He said, we had no bullets. I couldn't believe it. We were short on bullets. And he rebuilt the military, rebuilt our arsenal, only to have Joe Biden give it away. Into a black hole that was been Ukraine. So um, they're suing Trump to get him off the ballot. They're, they're, they're trying to, Secretary of State's are taking him off the ballot. They want to put him in jail. Uh, meanwhile, he walks scot free uh, for everything him and his son has done. We'll talk about his son uh, in just a sec. Uh, so now that he's going to campaign that that Trump is uh, the Nazis, uh, mega now means Nazi, you know, mega uh, maga I should say, uh, mega maga is what they like to call him. He's super maga. He really wants to make America great again. That's a mega maga. Then I mean that makes me a mega maga. A mega maga. Does that mean I should be arrested because I want to make America great again? Um, It's unbelievable. They say uh, he's going to start sending people to camps and everything else and democracy as we know it. It's going to be over. He said he's going to be a dictator. They took a little clip out of an interview where he said tongue-in-cheek to Hannity, yeah, on day one I will be a dictator for one day only and I will close the border and start up our energy policy. That's what he said. He didn't say he was going to be a dictator they, and they know it, the press knows it and everything, but of course they'll take it out of context. Um, so they're going to try to make, uh, it's him or me. If he wins, uh, our country is lost when it's just the opposite. What do you think Trump would have did if the Mexican president told him, you give us $20 billion, you give amnesty to, 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 to 10 million workers, you stop sanctions against Venezuela, and stop uh, the economic blockade of Cuba. What do you think Trump would have said? He said, you know what? We're slapping 25% tariffs on everything that comes in the country from Mexico, just like he did uh, with cars. Remember that? And what happened? Uh, they, Mexico agreed to keep these people in Mexico, to stay in Mexico policy. It's just unbelievable. So this past Wednesday, we had quite the spectacle 
on Capitol Hill uh, in the oversight committee hearing where uh, they were debating on um, uh, holding Hunter Biden in contempt of Congress for not showing up for the deposition a couple of weeks ago. And to the surprise of most people, except a couple of head Democrats who probably arranged this, uh, Hunter Biden shows up and sits in the gallery right in the front uh, and basically spits in the face of the Republicans, showing uh, how arrogant these Bidens are. You know, here, you can't do anything to me, basically, is what he's saying. He looked high as a kite, by the way. And of course, this made the Republicans crazy, and uh, then Hunter Biden walks out. But listen to uh, what some of the Republicans, they want to start talking to him, start asking him questions, right? Uh, uh, but listen to what uh, specifically uh, two people, um, uh, Congresswoman uh, Mace uh, and uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, uh, he's sitting in there, uh, and let's go first to um, Congresswoman um, Nancy Mace. Um, first of all, my first question is who bribed Hunter Biden to be here today? That's my first question. Um, second question, you are the epitome of white privilege coming into the oversight committee, spitting in our face, ignoring a congressional subpoena to be deposed. What are you afraid of? You have no balls to come up here. And Mr. Mr. Chairman, point of inquiry. Mr. Chairman. If the gentle lady wants to hear from Hunter Biden, we can hear from him right now, Mr. Chairman. Let's take a vote and hear from Hunter Biden. What are you afraid of? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Order, order, order. Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Are women allowed to speak in here or no? Because you keep interrupting me. I'll interrupt the chairman. I don't know that he's a lady. I think that Hunter Biden should be arrested right here, right now, and go straight to jail. Our nation is founded on the rule of come law on, come on. and the premise come that on. the law applies equally to everyone, no matter what your last point of order, Mr. Chairman. Uh- wow, there's a Republican woman who's not afraid to speak her mind. <laughs> she said some pretty, pretty interesting things there. Uh, it just goes to show you, remember I said earlier how divided we are. I mean, listen to uh, these clips. Uh, in a congressional hearing, I mean, it's just... Uh, Oh, I don't blame her for saying it either. You know, it's just the Democrats that keep interrupting her and, and, and trying to stop her. So next we have uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, she tries to question Hunter. And then uh, as she just starts to question him, he storms out. Gentlemen, time's expired. Chair, recognize Ms. Green from Georgia for five minutes. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, excuse me, Hunter. Oh, Apparently oh, you're afraid oh, of my oh, words. <laughs> oh, I like to reclaim my time, Mr. Chairman. Wow, that's too bad. <laughs> I think it's clear and obvious for everyone watching this hearing today that Hunter Biden is terrified of strong conservative Republican women because he can't even face my words as I was about to speak to him. What a coward. The rest of the world is watching us, and uh, they see how dysfunctional our country is. Defense uh, secretary disappears for a week and tells nobody. You got this clown show uh, of the Hunter Biden situation, Congress, everything. Uh, And the world disrespects us. It's, uh, It's a sad state of affairs here in America. It really is. Really is. And you want to talk about arrogance? Joe Biden's arrogant. 
when he's coherent, which is not too often, uh, and you got his son, um, you know, they say apple doesn't fall far from the tree, arrogant, I'm a Biden, I can get away with murder, I don't have to listen to Congress. Uh, and we'll see where this goes. I mean, do Republicans have the balls to do what they have to do, to use uh, Nancy Mace's uh, term? Uh, we'll see. I'm not so I'm not so confident in that. All right, we'll wrap this thing up on the other side of the break. My name's Lou Scatigna. Don't go away. AFM Investments' Lou Scatigna has been serving Ocean County for over 35 years. AFM Investments brings a level of expertise, knowledge, and experience to the Jersey Shore that you would typically have to pursue with a premier investment firm on Wall Street. Whether you need income tax preparation or financial planning, he has the experience to help you with whatever your needs are. For more information, log on to AFMinvestments.net. Registered Investment Advisory Services through Fortitude Advisory Group. Do you have a home to sell? Do you need to buy a home? Or maybe you would like to consider a career in real estate? Well, you need to contact my brother, Mark Skatigna. He's the broker manager of Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty on Route 70 in Manchester. Mark has helped so many of my clients with either the sale of their home or to purchase a new home. All of them could not have been happier with his help. What about an exciting new career in real estate? Maybe you're finding you have more time on your hands than you would like to after retiring from your full-time job and are also looking to make some extra income. With flexible hours to still enjoy your free time and income that could be limitless, Mark train you to be as successful as you would like to be and enjoy a rewarding career in real estate. For help with any of your real estate needs, as well as any information on a career in real estate, call my brother Mark Skatigna at Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. His number is 732-657-6200. That's 732-657-6200. Mark Skatigna, Coldwell Banker Flanagan Realty. Give him a call. You'll be happy you did. Welcome back to the Financial Physician Podcast, where we talk money, markets, and politics, and we upload our program each and every Sunday, 7 a.m. Sometimes it may be delayed, uh, but no later than 9 a.m. If you follow the program on Podomatic, you just click that follow button. Uh, You'll get an email with the link right to the podcast in your email box exactly when we upload the program. Uh, So do that. Follow the program. It helps the program grow. Also, again, uh, share it. So important. We live in very, very unusual times. And you're not going to get the information we give you here on the mainstream media. So share it with friends, family. Put it on your social media. Put it on any forum that you like and uh, help us to grow uh, the podcast. And it is growing each and every week. And as I said before, um, uh, we live in very unusual times. And uh, as long as they let me, who knows how long before they try to shut me down. They already shut me down on YouTube. Uh, We'll see. Uh, But we do have our Rumble channel where we have all our videos. And that's the thing, too. I talk about financial subjects, and um, I videotape them, and it goes on my Rumble channel. Usually it's the opening segment of the program. So we have quite a library of financial topics uh, on Rumble on uh, uh, just – you know, look up my name, Lou Scatigna, or the financial physician, and you'll find us. Uh, and uh, if you say, hey, Lou, you, you talked about estate planning, you know, back in July, uh, you'll probably find that video of that segment of the show uh, there on my Rumble channel, which we have on the com. Go to videos or go to the blog, and you'll be able to find uh, uh, backed uh, archive videos as well. I've been telling you for the last few weeks, don't believe any economic report that comes out from the government, especially in the election year, because they're all fudge. Um, And it came out this week uh, that uh, the job numbers, which I always say are false, uh, were overstated 
by 439,000 in 2023. They always, every month has been revised down two or three months later. They give you a, a glowing jobs number. The, the, the press comes out and the media reports how great it is. Biden comes out and tells you how great Bidenomics is and all these jobs that are being created. And then quietly, a couple months later, they revise them down 25,000. So uh, it's all a sham. It's all a hoax. Uh, and the thing is, markets move on these numbers. The Federal Reserve acts on interest rates based on these numbers. If they look stronger than expected, well, maybe the Fed won't lower rates, Right. So these fudge job numbers, people trade on them. Uh, it, it's just incredible. And more than 40% of the growth that they reported in 2023 came from the fairy tale birth death model about businesses being created or dying and how many jobs they create. Uh, the, the Bureau of Labor Statistics uses a guesstimate. They don't have any data on it. And that's the way they could fudge it. So uh, don't believe anything you hear coming. It's just so, so disgusting. Uh, the people that are running this government, uh, you can't believe anything they do. They'll lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal. They'll do anything that they have to. Uh, here's some good news that uh, came out this week. A federal appeals court uh, this week blocked Joe Biden's attempt to regulate dishwashers and washing machines. I mentioned that earlier, that uh, the energy secretary, the energy department, it's trying to crack down on our stoves, our water heaters, to battle climate change. Uh, so what, uh, what happened here? Uh, the appeals court argued that the energy-efficient washing machines often need more cycles, which ultimately use more energy and water. The U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit issued a ruling late Monday overturning the Department of Energy's decision in 2022 to repeal a Trump-era regulation governing water use in dishwashers and clothes washers. The panel's ruling is a victory for both Republican states, which sued the D Department of Energy over its actions, and consumer advocacy groups, which have argued against overly burdensome standards for home appliances. So good. Uh, the courts seem to be doing what they have to do, uh, whether it comes to Trump being on the ballot, uh, uh, any of these dictates from the Biden administration, it seems that the appeals courts, uh, at least most of them, uh, are slapping down uh, what is just obviously overreach, authoritarian, anti-democratic, unconstitutional moves by the Biden administration and these crazy left-wingers. How about this one? Um, the California legislature takes up the wealth tax idea this week. The Wall Street Journal reports California's wealth tax arrives. It hasn't yet, but it's in the batter's box. Democrats introduced a bill last winter, and it will get a hearing Wednesday in the state assembly as lawmakers scrounge for revenue to fill a projected $68 billion budget hole. Governor Newsom on Wednesday will also unveil his budget for the coming year. Democratic legislatures are proposing a wealth tax as an alternative to, to spending restraints. The bill would impose an annual excise tax of 1.5% on worldwide net worth of every full and part-year California resident that exceeds $1 billion starting this tax year. Um, Part-time residents would be taxed on a pro-rata share of their wealth based on the number of days they spend annually in California. The tax would also apply to non-residents who have recently left the state. So uh, you, can't, you can't escape Hotel California, right? 
Democrats exempted real property from tax as a favor to their high-end real estate industry and Hollywood donors. This is not constitutional. I highly doubt this is constitutional. I'm certain that um, taxing people who don't live in the state isn't constitutional. But nobody cares about stuff like this anymore. They don't give a damn. And if this passes, this is just going to accelerate the exodus of this from people from the state. It's just unbelievable. And now California came out and said that um, they'll be paying for all the health care costs of any illegal immigrant in California. Unbelievable. And they have California has a $68 billion, billion dollar budget deficit. Uh, how are they going to fill that? So if this passes, the Supreme Court will strike it down. But I would get the hell out of California anyway. All right, everything you've listened to so far was recorded on Wednesday, uh, January 10th, uh, 2024. So today is Saturday, January 13th, 2024, and I'm in Las Vegas. The reason why I pre-recorded the show on Wednesday is because I was traveling and I'm in uh, Las Vegas with a bunch of buddies of mine. We, for, my oh God, 25, 30 years each year, my cousin, uh, my best friend, and other friends that we had, about 10 of us, would join in Las Vegas. They had a convention for their industry, and we'd have a great time. But we haven't been together uh, since COVID. So we uh, just planned a guy's weekend here in Vegas and uh, got here Thursday, and uh, we're having a great time. And... Uh, so, so uh, now that we're in our 60s, it's a little different. Uh, although, you know, we went out, had a good time. I can't remember much of it. I think I may have got married to a strip girl, strip club girl. Only kidding, Sue, it's a reference to the movie Hangover. <laughs> but but uh, anyway, fun time with friends. Haven't seen each other in a long time. And uh, we're in Vegas. So I'm recording the end of the show Saturday morning, uh, January 13th. Now, a lot of things I talked about earlier in the program, uh, and the reason why I didn't complete the program on Wednesday is because news breaks. And uh, I wanted to leave an open end uh, to just comment in case something broke that I wanted to talk about. And a few things did break, uh, certainly in reference to what I said earlier. Let's start off talking about, um, I said that we're being attacked by these Houthi, Iranian-backed uh, rebels, whatever you want to call them. And they've been attacking our ships and, and merchant shipping uh, in the Red Sea. And we had a response this week, um, uh, controversial to some people, but uh, the Biden administration struck back with Tomahawk missiles and, and we attacked them. And and here we go, escalation um, in the Red Sea, in the Middle East. And the Houthis vowed to, what did they say, um, fill the sea with blood. Uh, to me, that's a reference in trying to sink one of our ships. Like I said earlier on, that I, I think that's going to happen. I, I think the chance of that happening uh, is growing by the day. I hope not, uh, because obviously it means tremendous loss of life, but it just also means now that we're, we're, we're deeply involved in this war. Oil prices uh, skyrocketed a bit there on Friday, uh, over $80 a barrel. Gold went up. Uh, so we'll see where, the, where this leads. Also, uh, Hunter Biden, after pulling that stunt in, in Congress at the, um, the, the contempt of Congress hearing, uh, now his lawyer came out and said he, he's agreed to do what, now that there's an official impeachment inquiry, he will do what Congress wants and he'll go do a deposition. Now, the reason he's doing this is because he's going to do the deposition and just, 
and just plead the Fifth Amendment and not say anything. And that way avoid, you know, the criminal aspect of contempt of Congress and say, yeah, I did go and I did, but was deposed, but uh, due to my uh, Fifth Amendment rights, I did not say anything. That, that, that's where this is going, all right? Uh, <laughs> it's just every which way to try to screw the system. The Bidens know how to do it. Uh, so those are the things that kind of broke this week uh, after I started recording this program. And, um, and, and uh, we'll see where this all goes. But the Hunter Biden thing is, you know, it's just, this is just another ploy. All right, let's end the show with a rant uh, by Bill O'Reilly about the, the state of Joe Biden's America. And this rant has really uh, gained some traction online uh, as everyday people relate to what this guy, you know, he's the former news host at Fox. He was number one before they got rid of him. He says he's ditched all his left-leaning friends, telling them to get out of my house for tolerating the destruction of the country. These other progressive things, we got to stop this now. I'm telling you, I don't have any progressive friends anymore. They're gone because I can't stomach them. Criminals running wild, murdering people because progressive DAs funded by George Soros don't want to punish the violent criminals. That's what you're giving me. You support that. Get out of my house. Out. I've had it. Biden is not going to get any better. And the Democratic Party has to get destroyed next November. I don't care whether you like Trump or not. Trump governed this nation in a responsible way where everybody prospered. And if you don't believe that, you're a moron. Every single thing, every single indicator was on positive territory. All the working people, no matter what color they were, We're making more money and there were more jobs. We didn't have inflation. We didn't have supply problems. We didn't have any of it. Now we got all of it in addition to an open border. Bravo, Bill O'Reilly. I think many of us feel the same way that you do. I mean, what's going on in this country. And they're going to run him again. And watch, he'll he'll wind up beating Trump by like one vote in each swing state by the time all the counting is done. Uh, as uh, this unpopular president continues to destroy the country. So I think that's a great way to end the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Share the podcast with friends and family. If you want to get in touch with me, very easy. Just give me a, send me an email at lou at thefinancialphysician.com, lou at thefinancialphysician.com. Or if you want to come in for a no-obligation financial review and consultation, call my office, 732 732- 905-8100-732-905-8100. And we are taking new tax clients. So uh, when you're ready, just give us a call and we'll make sure we get you in. Thanks so much for joining us. And don't you ever forget, I'm not far right. I'm just right so far. Have a great week.